Hey everybody, welcome back to Slice of Americana. I'm your host, Jacob Alloy. So about a month ago, we did a more casual conversation-style episode with voice actor and Twitch streamer Will Deary, where we talked about video games and their implication and impact on American culture of the youth of today and yesteryear, which you should all go check out. My favorite game of all time, even though uh, when I played it, it was called Star Ocean Second Story, uh, which was an RPG game made by Square Enix uh, all the way back when. Um, it was one of those games. It was so big. It was kind of like uh, Final Fantasy VII, where it had two discs, where like after you beat part one, you'd have to put in the second disc. Um, I never got to the second disc, though, because um, I was playing this game when I was four years old. I could not read. Um, <laughs> and it seemed people enjoyed it. So this week, we're going to do another That's Clever style episode. I'll be sitting down with my friend, YouTuber, and graphic designer, Tyler Fleischman, to talk about alternative forms of media, America's recent trend of turning to the internet for entertainment, and his personal connection with American pop culture and media. Without further ado, Tyler Fleischman. Well, I'm very happy today because we are sitting down with a, a true, truly one of the greats in my belief. <laughs> uh, we're sitting down today with Tyler Fleischman. He is a graphic designer. He's a YouTuber. And uh, in my opinion, a, a somewhat of a media expert. Um, so that's my little intro for who you are. Would you like yeah. to give a little bit more of an in-depth intro about who you are and kind of what your uh, background is in being a creator and content creator? Yeah, of course, Jacob. Um, we have known each other a long time. It's been it's been many years. Um, I think it was it was a long time ago, about middle school, when yeah. when I became a creator. Just in the sense of like, I, I found out I liked digital media, even just like making movie posters and Photoshop and such. And it just it just evolved over time to where I, I realized there was more than one aspect of it that I enjoyed. And so I just kind of never stopped. It's been like eight years now of just of just learning and I just continue to learn. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And um, if you go check out Tyler's um, Instagram and all of his handles and things, which we'll, we'll plug on our Instagram, uh, he has done some fantastic and amazing work. Uh -huh, um, thank in you. fact, I remember very distinctly. Um, and maybe Tyler, maybe Tyler remembers this. Uh, the reason why Tyler and I actually became really, really close is we actually did comedy. We actually did improv comedy together. Mm -hmm. And um, in high school, this is very – I feel very stupid saying it now, but it was a wonderful experience. Um, uh, my high school did a late-night talk show that I hosted and that Tyler actually was the second banana on. He did the announcer gig. He was um, – and uh, he was fantastic at it. And he also did the logo design for the show. And he's continued to go on and do some pretty fantastic graphic design work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you, you've been really good with the ideas. You've been a great idea man. And I was I was glad you you involved me because I wasn't always the on camera type. I wasn't always the uh, in front of the camera, you know. But it was it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. We did it actually more than the one time. We did it like what three three. Yeah, times? I think we did it three or four times. And although they always got filmed, none of them got edited because our editors <laughs> were kind of what. Anyway, we won't it's get okay. into that. But okay. um, but yeah, that's kind of how Tyler and I know each other. We are we're a long time. Um, cohorts and fellow creators and friends yeah. from uh from improv days and uh from doing that show at our high school um and that kind of leads into my first thing that i wanted to talk to you about so you are mm -hmm. a you know you are kind of a, a very savvy person when it comes to media trends when it comes to um you know the kind of things that americans watch mm -hmm. and excuse me one of the big things that you 
you've been writing about or the your channel that you've been doing. Uh, Tyler's a YouTuber as well. He has a channel called Creatify. Please go mm-hmm. check him out. But uh, his first video that he ever did, and the second too tied into it, was the idea of that there's late night television has kind of had – you've kind of seen a, a resurgence in late night television because of their shift to YouTube right. during the pandemic. So could you just talk a little bit about you know what your kind of findings were there and what kind of the – the story and the history of kind of your, not only your love for late night TV, but also kind of this interesting trend you're seeing. Right. Of course. Yeah. I think, I think that late night television and the hosts and the spectacle that those shows have always been, been able to put on um, has been a, a major point of American media, you know, the, the Americana of it. And it goes all the way back to the fifties. The first show with Steve Allen, I believe was his name. Yep. Um, yeah, he did that show back in the fifties and it was, it was really, it was just born out of, um, they had those, those morning shows and, and they realized they had those time slots and at the nighttime, they wanted to do a night show. They wanted to do a night talk show and it just became over time, um, something everyone watched, you know, Johnny Carson was one of the biggest, uh, uh, hosts of all time with that. And, and everyone, um, knew of him and, and so many millions of Americans watched him at, at, um, when he, when he did a show. And I just think that over time, it's just been interesting to see how technology has forced change, right? Because sure. now it's 2021, things are much different. And if it wasn't for COVID, they would still be doing the TV thing. But regardless of COVID, cable television is just changing. Mm-hmm. And, and how Americans are consuming media is changing. And so much of it is is creator centric on, on the internet. You can just make whatever you'd like and put it out there. And if people are interested, you can build an audience. And so it's really interesting to see, um, especially when COVID happened, the hosts had to directly compete with creators because they're now on the same space. So it's really fun to watch. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting comparison to make. I love that the idea of like, it is a shifting tide. And I think that that's where you know, kind of people who were pioneers of the field um, of, of late night TV, like, you mm-hmm. know, like Steve Allen, Jack Parr, um, really Johnny Carson, when, who became kind of the household name based on it. Right. They were working in a new medium. They're working in a completely new field. And I think that that's where it thrived. And um, I think I've explained this before, but uh, I'm a big fan of late night television, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> that a... Um, I think where I agree with you very deeply with that, it it kind of you, – you made a point in one of your videos where you talk about you know the way that they write jokes is a very specific way and it's been – it hasn't really changed for the last you know 40 years. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of kind of modern-day American talk show hosts, you know, your, your Jimmy Fallon's, your Kimmel's, your Corden's, they are just constantly getting stuck in these jokes because it's – they've just been – They've become used to the way that they've been doing their show and where you see all of the really fun, innovative things that are happening are when they're forced to try something new in a completely different medium. Of course. Um, Of course, with that style of joke and style of show, it it, it exists for a reason. It does add value. Um, I I feel like Americans have a love-hate relationship sometimes, Mm -hmm. like you know, online, I would see a lot of people make fun of Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or some of these modern day hosts, um, especially when they when they went over to YouTube and it, and it was, just seemed really low quality. It's just Very like crunchy. Yeah. yeah, of course. Right. And so but overall, like they have millions of views or just viewers 
when they do their shows regardless because people people do want to come together and watch this show and so i i think it, it does still have value but there just was a lack of innovation right mm -hmm. and so it's just it's just that forced change that's really showing uh, the glaring difference between how it was going on television with the traditional networks and, and how it works on the internet. I think that's a really, uh, really interesting point that you, and the other thing too, and I'm not sure if you talked about this and maybe, maybe you did. It's been a minute since I've seen your incredible videos, <laughs> but um, the one, the, the really interesting thing is kind of seeing the reverse of it with Lily Singh is how, oh, right. how epically somebody who goes the opposite way of, you know, from a very creative endeavor that is, there's nothing that's holding you back to having a nationally syndicated talk show that right. just fails epically. It was a flop, a huge flop. <laughs> it was it was incredibly um for those of you who don't know, Lily Singh um is a really well really well known a comedian and also a YouTuber, internet personality who um actually got to host her own show on NBC, I think. And it was called Up a Little Late with Lily Singh. And it was um everybody thought it was gonna be epic because she's very funny and she's very good at what she does, but her medium changed and uh, I, I don't know. Everything just about that show just felt so inauthentic. And right. I think that that's kind of where um, where a lot of these talk show hosts who have succeeded in the transition in this time of COVID to YouTube have done really, really well, is they've kept the authenticness of who they are in mm -hmm. this new medium. It took them a minute, but they got there. And that's something right. that I don't think Lily Singh – accomplished. I don't think that there's a lot of those examples that people who make that jump from being internet famous to being TV famous, right. often they don't, they don't keep their authenticity. Right. And with authenticity, it's, it's a lot, it was a lot easier for the hosts to mm. go from TV to the internet and be authentic because, uh, and a lot of the comments on those videos were really, were really positive. The viewers of Jimmy Fallon, for example, when he did his first at home show, it was his wife recording and he was playing a, a terrible guitar song that he wrote <laughs> and it, uh, his kids were interrupting and, and people in the comments were um, just looking up to the fact that it just seemed so authentic. Right. And when you, for someone like Lily Singh, she had that small team vi vibe about her show or her videos and, and it just seemed very personal. But when you go to that transition you end up in a late night show with a huge production team and, and people are writing for her. It, it didn't seem authentic. It, it could have never seemed authentic. No, the one of the interesting things that, and I think that the, to that point of feeling inauthentic mm -hmm. is that it's even down to like the desk, her desk looked like she was like conducting the, the death star. Like it was <laughs> this really big, like, like steel, like monstrosity, honestly. Right. And I think that a really important thing – and in, in talking about design – so this is really interesting, kind of a side tangent. When talking mm -hmm. about design of late-night uh, shows, you often talk about how um, they're designed for the host, right? Mm -hmm. They're designed for the personality of the host. Ellen would never sit behind a desk during her daytime talk show because that's mm -hmm. not her personality. Um, Zach Galifianakis, for when he did his uh, – for Funny or Die – I think it's Funny or Die when he did yeah. Between Two Ferns. He doesn't, have, he doesn't uh -huh. sit behind a desk because that's not his style. It's much more of an open interview style like that. Right. And I think that where um, where I think Lily Singh, even, like, even at the very small level of like how they designed her studio, how they designed her set, how they designed the setup for her, right. it felt very impersonal because it, it didn't feel like her. It felt like she was sitting – 
at a control panel rather than she is actually having a, an interview or a conversation or telling jokes the way that we're so used to hearing her. And that's why, you know, um, Seth Meyers doesn't leave the desk at all. He does his entire thing behind the desk because that's what Americans know him for doing. When he was mm-hmm. on SNL, he was doing um, Weekend Update behind a desk. Ostensibly, the most Im- most you know impactful parts of his career mm-hmm. were spent behind a desk. And so, right. and so I think that that's even where a lot of the authenticity kind of can falter is if you're mm-hmm. not paying attention even at the very, you know, micro level. Right. It, it makes me wonder how involved she was in, yeah. in the process. Yeah. I, I wonder too. I don't feel like, I don't want this to turn into the, let we, we hate Lily Singh. I think Lily Singh's brilliant. <laughs> and I think Lily Singh is a fantastic uh, comedian, uh, comedian and I think she's a fantastic media personality. Right, right. It's just sad to see, you know, kind of the the creativeness kind of, or at least her brand of creativeness not show through the way that we really wanted it to. Right. I, I think this is starting to change, but for a long time, creators have had this, um, they, they want this validation of even if they're extremely successful on the internet and they have this amazing channel and so many viewers and they're making all the money they could need, or, you know, they're providing all this value. They, for a long time, a lot of creators want that validation of like, going to television or more traditional things. Um, even if it in theory sounds good, I, I never think it would work because the point is they do it on their own. They do it in their own, in their own medium. And I, I think that creators are slowly starting to learn, especially lately that they don't need that validation. Yeah. I think that that's a really, a really good point to make that there is, um, there's still for some reason this push or at least there was maybe maybe right until recently there was this huge push to be you know you internet famous but you could be like famous famous right right and I think that those lines are getting more and more blurred where mm-hmm. there's a lot less of the I need the validation of being on television I need the validation of being in blockbuster movies um, I think that there is becoming a lot of weight being put behind internet personalities being equally as influential in American culture and I think the right. other part of it too is that. Um, I think people really misunderstand how lucrative being internet famous is and how lucrative it can be in comparison even to making money on television. There used to be this joke in entertainment that was told that um, if you want to be famous, do movies. If you want to make money, do television. If you want to be good, do theater. And I think that now it's becoming more of, well, if you want to make a lot of – but if you want to make a lot of money – uh, do do YouTube. Be it, be, be it, If you can be internet famous, be internet famous. Right. Um, And I think the reason for that success that people are finding is something I advocate for a lot, Mm -hmm. which is building an audience that care about you, whether it's, it could be more personality centered. Sure. um, But that kind of goes into the influencer realm. And, and I have my own opinions about online influencers, right? I think sometimes they, uh, they're a little too crazy, but no matter what you're making, you, if you build an audience, whether it's around your personality or your work, or both, there's extreme value in having them trust you and, and like what you do and, and having them support you as well. Hmm. Um, and it can go as far as, um, for example, Mr. Beast. He's right. one of the biggest YouTubers. He has um, 50, oh, he's growing so fast. My last video I posted recently, but this is probably out of date by now. He had 53 million subscribers. And he recently, a few months, months ago overnight launched a business chain of 
a food delivery. I was about to say, I was literally about to say restaurateur as well as YouTuber. <laughs> right. Out of nowhere, though. There was no there was no buildup or anticipation. He just suddenly launched, hey, there's 300 burger joints around the country that you can download an app, DoorDash or Grubhub or his own app, and just get his food delivered. It's his menu. It's his food. 300 overnight. That's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um. For those of you who are listening right now, go ahead and open your phone. If you have Postmates or if you have um, if you have Grubhub, go ahead and open it and look up Mr. Beast Burgers. Um, you will find it. It's delivery only because mm-hmm. they're doing this thing called Ghost Kitchens. Uh, food theorists, Matthew Patrick, the Matt Pat, the guy who does Game Theory, has another channel mm-hmm. called Food Theory. Go watch. A vi- there's a video all about Ghost Kitchens. It's really incredible. And it's actually a trend now that a lot of celebrities are actually doing. Um, so anyway, that's just a side tangent. Go check it out. Ghost Kitchens, they're really, really fascinating. Basically, right. you're ordering you're ordering uh, this burger food from Abuka de Beppo. Um, that's what it's coming from. Anyway, that's a whole story. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's a really good point to make, that, that, that now there is this broadening of, of opportunity, I think, for a lot of these media uh, personalities, these internet personalities, and that it's becoming its own medium- like television or like film all on its own because back in the day you know and it's not until recently that we've actually been seeing a lot of tv people start to do films and vice versa a lot of film people being in television but back in the day really you picked one and you did it you were a television you were on tv all the time or you were in film all the time it was very Mm -hmm. rare to have somebody like dick van dyke who was able to go between all three you used to be back in the day you used to pick one and i think that that's kind of where the media personalities are right now where they're really trying hard to become a transitionary personality but it's really at this point you know it's okay just to be the one thing like you don't have to transition into another medium it's perfectly fine to stay in your medium and um i think that that kind of you know talks to a bigger part about american media and how it's how it's shifting and what the role of internet media is playing in it in pop culture, mass mass American pop culture. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there's kind of this renaissance or I guess this shift into um, of, of, of American culture being now so much online, whether that be YouTube or streaming services doing their own platforming things or, you know, Twitch becoming a huge cultural phenomenon in right. the last, you know, six years? Well, consider this. I mean, if you're thinking about what Americana means and like so many, for example, there's so many American movies that other countries just really enjoy um, and, uh, and, t- and television, right? Um, and in, in here in America, it's it's not that we watch, or especially before the internet, it's not that we watched very many movies or TV shows from other countries. Um, but sometimes we did. What's amazing now with the internet is any anyone in America has the same chance to find an American personality or creator or a British or a South African or anywhere in the world. Right. Any anywhere in the world, if if they find their their videos or their Twitch stream or whatever, and they enjoy it, that can be a favorite of theirs, and they can watch it like like they used to watch late night shows, right? So it's kind of amazing that it's it's global now, but you have all the choice that you could want. Um, but also that viewer has just as good a shot as anyone else 
any one viewer can can create their own thing. Yeah. Right. And that goes into something um, that I'm, I'm very fascinated with called the creator economy. Right. Mm. And the thought that more and more people becoming creators and more and more people consuming the media from those creators, the people making that media can build us an economy around themselves. Right. It's not that one massive television network has all these shows and all these people and all this money and so many people watch this stuff right it's it's more segmented now and, and, and it's more niche and more specific to what people really want to watch because they have that choice to not only watch what they'd like but everyone has a choice to build and create whatever they like yeah, absolutely I think that that's a really um, I think that's a really important aspect to kind of the broadening um, uh, fields of entertainment. I have a really good friend who's actually was just on the last episode of uh, these this this ch- these chats episodes, like these mm-hmm. these that's clever episodes. Uh, his name's Will Deary, and he um, he's a Twitch streamer. He's a voice actor, and um, I think that a really great thing about him is that he you know kind of sees that he has this kind of niche medium where he can um, he can exploit kind of the wonderful talents he has as a voice actor and also you know explore the wonderful aspects that he has of loving video games and loving mm-hmm. you know kind of loving sharing that with people and I think that's a really good example of that you know you can exactly what you said you can build that very niche you know kind of brand and economy around your set of skills and people will, mm-hmm. people will watch it. There is an audience for that niche kind of um, area of entertainment. Of course. Yeah. It's really fascinating to me. Uh, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of the, the broader things, you know, uh, I, I appreciate your kind of insights on your kind of American media, you know, trends, kind of the things that you're seeing um, and broadening things. Uh, the next thing I kind of what what are you working on right now? Like, what is the next kind of? I know you just put out a video recently where you, you just said you talked about Mr. Beast and you talked about mm-hmm. um, internet personalities and you've done you know about talk shows and you've done about the future of YouTube. What's kind of the next area that you want to tackle? What's the next you know video project that you're working on? Right, um, I consider myself extremely blessed to have found the position, the job that I'm working now. Um, I, I knew I had this passion for making my videos, right? And I found a job description for a video editor. And I assumed it was videos for businesses or just my, maybe the old school type of video editing. I wasn't sure what I was thinking, but when I got there, the place I work at, um, they all, pretty much all the clients are YouTubers. Oh, it, wow. is, it's, it was amazing. And so I still work there. It's, it's an amazing experience every day. And my job now, I moved more from editing to working directly with those clients, Fantastic. right? So I, I work with uh, a lot of our higher paying clients and work with them directly about growth, trying to help them grow. And, and I'm just learning so much about what works, right? So that ties into what I've been working on is I am working on channel strategy because mm-hmm. I know, knowing what I know about the creator economy and and the, the fact that online consumption of video is growing, not slowing down. And there's just a niche of people out there who want to learn how to create. I want to make videos about creators and how to create, right? Oh, how yeah. to be a creator and videos about people's favorite creators. You know, Mr. Beast, I not only talked about Mr. Beast and his endeavors, right? In that, in that last video. 
but I also taught a lesson of if you are a creator, what can you learn from this? Right. So this year, this year I have a lot of plans and some of the smaller videos I want to make are on creators. Like my next one is going to be about the Jake Paul or uh, Logan Paul fight. <laughs> Logan right. Paul is fighting Mayweather, which is insane. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but basically, stupid. <laughs> well, it's Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, very true. <laughs> and I really wanted to explore. It, it got postponed, unfortunately, but I have most of the script ready. Um, so I'm still ready to make that video. I want to explore how that happens and why it's a benefit. And, and really, I, f- I found out, of course, there's this massive benefit between, you know, Logan Paul and his audience, this, this new YouTube type audience, and then Mayweather this longtime boxer and Logan got into boxing and, and, and Floyd is bringing all his fans. And apparently the um, pay-per-view smashed records. Right. And so obviously there's incentive uh, money incentive, but it's just an insane choice to fight Mayweather anyway. So I'd like to explore that. I'm, I'm exploring that in my next video, but overall for my channel, I just want to kind of explain what creators are capable of and how to be the best creator you can be. Oh, oh, that's really interesting. So it's kind of a, it's kind of the, um, the approach of, you know, taking, talking about these kind of wider trends in culture and trying to these wider trends in YouTube and these wider trends in, you know, entertainment and kind of teaching the moral or the cautionary tales from these sort of stories yes. of really successful individuals or yes, of course. people who crash and burn, I suppose as well. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. That's actually a really uh, a really interesting kind of area, especially for somebody of your expertise who's not only a, a really well-versed media expert, but also a very well-versed, you know, growth expert, somebody who has been working and consistently working as somebody who's working with YouTubers and with media personalities in how they're going to grow their brand and, and move forward. Um, right. I consider it um, an amazing opportunity for myself, um, really, to to be learning all this, but also what there's not many people in the world who have a better position to teach YouTube directly. Of course, there's plenty of smart people out there who can learn stuff like this, but given my position, it's, it's just a unique position where I have just access to so many creators and, and to pick their brain and to, and to talk to them and to actually look into their analytics. I I have access to so many channels to, to look at their analytics and just to see what works. So I'm really excited to not only apply that to my own things, but I, I, I truly do want to apply that to other people's uh, channels and, and their in their strategy and, and help them out as well. That's fantastic. Um, well, we've been talking a while for about, you know, kind of the things that you are doing uh, professionally and as a creator. Um, mm-hmm. My question for you really is what, what kind of media do you consume? What, who are your favorite YouTubers? Who are your, who are your one? I, I want to ask two questions here. Who are your influences and who are mm-hmm. your favorite creators? Because I often find those are very, very different things. Um, and I'll, I can go first if you would, if you would like to think for a second. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, funnily enough, I have, I have so much documentation on my channel and strategy and such, and I have a section on inspiration. Um, but also, I'm going to have to look for a second about favorites. So I'd love to hear you. For sure. First. Well, obviously, my inspiration, obviously, for doing like, you know, podcasting. I love, um, I'm a big fan of NPR. I grew up as like a backseat listener. So obviously, <laughs> like, that's kind of the influence of all of this, you know, Ira Glass, all those wonderful longtime radio people. 
Um, but even like more kind of modern podcasters I'm starting to get into. But mm-hmm. I think my favorite my favorite creators from beginning of time, Matthew Patrick, Matt Pat at the Game Theorists. Uh-huh. I, I'm not a gamer. I literally do not play video games more than <laughs> an hour a week at max. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Patrick is to this day one of my favorite creators. Uh, there's also an Australian gentleman by the name of uh, Mr. Sunday Movies. They host this fantastic podcast called The Weekly Planet, and they also have a YouTube channel, Mr. Sunday Movies. They're fantastic. Very, very funny. Just these two Melbourne um, comedians who are just very, very funny together. So those are kind of my, kind of like I said, my influences of this weird, you know, comedians who like to talk to famous or like interesting people. And then, of course, you know, um, NPR style, you know, deep dive documentaries. Uh, but obviously that has nothing to do with the people that I actually really enjoy just mindlessly watching for hours and hours on end, which are these right. just incredible content creators who can talk about anything and everything and incorporate science and math and mm-hmm. literature and, and theory. Um, those are definitely some of the people that I just – I could never and I really appreciate listening to the people who can do that. Right. Yeah. Um, what's amazing about YouTube is – if, if it's something you're interested in, any anything you can think of that you might be interested in, it's out there. <laughs> Someone, someone's making something on it. For sure. For, for me, my, I'm really picky about entertainment. Hmm. Like channels or creators who their sole focus is to entertain. Um, I, I feel like if someone is trying to be an entertainer, whether, whether it's through... I don't know, vlog type videos or, or gaming. Um, I don't watch a lot of that, but when I do, it's only because I feel like they've, they've done something unique and next level. Right. Um, I'm no longer subscribed to Casey Neistat. I I haven't watched his videos for a while, but there's, there was a long time where I did uh, just because he, he clearly wasn't doing the cookie cutter. He Mm. truly was taking it to the next level. And so he's the only vlog I ever watched. So that was that that was one of my biggest entertainment channels I like to watch. Also, there's plenty of amazing personalities out there and creators that it's not just about what they're talking about, but it's also I just appreciate who they are and, and mm. what they do. Absolutely. Like Marquez Marquez Brownlee mm. is is one of those big ones. Um, he you know he's specifically about tech, right? And uh, and there's plenty of videos he'll make where I'm really interested in the direct topic that he's talking about. But sometimes I'm not even too interested in the topic, but I just want to watch the video, right? I, I yeah. really appreciate Marquez and what he does. And not only just that he's he's providing value with these reviews, but he's also just changing the game of what a creator could do, you know, with, with the reviews or with tech or or whatever. He he does a great job with that. Um, other than that, I, I watch a lot of um, like documentary type or like more i'd almost call it edutainment i mean it's not the most educational of content Love edutainment but, my favorite right. my favorite brand right 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 like see vsauce how could i not watch vsauce oh, i watch every vsauce video a classic and there's a guy who who's also an inspiration so i'll go into inspirations now but sure. i love i love a, a channel by the name of lemino let me know. Or oh, I know. Let me know. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the. He used to do the top ten lists, and now he's doing more kind of in depth, you right? Know, Reddit story things, right? That's what he's. That's kind of his brand. Um, kind of, yeah. Like, um, like almost history. A lot of it. Yeah. A lot of them, and like documentary types, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he just pulls it off in the most amazing way. So like he started making those top 10 lists. And of course that's not particularly exciting, but it did get his name out there and he, he was making videos that people were enjoying. I'm so glad he pivoted to what he's working on now because the writing, the research, the visuals, he makes his own music Chef's for his videos. Yeah, it's it's really phenomenal, the, the work he does. He doesn't even post that often, but he grows like mad. He, he gets millions and millions of views because people notice that quality. Yeah. And, th- and so that's, that's my inspiration is those quality over quantity channels. Absolutely. I remember very distinctly watching, he did one on DB Cooper, who's yes. the infamous uh, plane hijacker who then just disappeared. Um, that's a really great video. And I very distinctly, like even now, like somebody who hasn't watched him in probably months, if not right. a year, you distinctly remember that incredible video um yeah no he's fantastic yeah because it's not about he's not making it about quick top 10 list or quick um how can i get eyes on my video right now he really is making a a product that's absolutely incredible he's he's making a documentary that you that you want to watch the whole thing you're you're into the story and he can tell that story really well Right. And so it's really memorable that way. It's, it's not just scrolling and finding something to watch. Right. It's actually bringing it to the next level. Like he could make a Netflix show. Right. And people would love it. I feel Absolutely. like, like he, could, he could be on Netflix and it would be big because that writing, that research, everything is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. That's a really great kind of way. And I think I definitely see that in the sort of content, not only that you've been creating, but kind of how you approach a lot of your work is that you really do focus in on so much of, I want to get this right. I want it to make it look good. And I want it to be something that's impactful and actually has a meaning to it rather than just meaningless. And not to say that there isn't merit to creating things that are just purely entertainment or that are not all that engaging. I think there is merit to that. There are places for those things, but I'm much, I'm much more interested in people who take pride and put a lot of effort into creating something that not only that they're proud of, but will actually like they think has an impact and will have an impact upon their audience. Right. I, I think, well, there's plenty of other video essay channels that have inspired me in this process, but I won't go over them all here right now, but I'll say that one of the biggest inspirations from them collectively and, and the quality of it was obviously a lot of them do amazing visuals, like, let me know. But the biggest thing that guides my videos is when I'm writing and I I do, I do a lot of research and I make sure that I'm finding anything and everything that is interesting and applicable and important. Right. But the most important thing for me is when I'm writing my, my scripts, Every single line, every sentence, every word has to matter. It has to have a reason to be there. I avoid filler at every and all costs. So I I think that that is the thing I find most important for for creators in this style, this video essay style that I love so much, is that they're they're providing that value not only in general with the with the the whole video, but every every piece is important and not filler. Interesting. See, that's where I think we differ is I, uh, and well, maybe that's kind of the difference between being a YouTuber and being a podcaster is that mm-hmm. there is, I think podcasts have a lot more of that 
leeway where everything should be important, but there is leeway to like leave in things that necessarily aren't the most interesting or the most important thing. Sure. But they have meaning behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that I think that every that filler is a good thing. I don't, but I think I think that podcasts lend themselves to having a little bit more of that right. kind of space. I know what you're talking about for sure, and I, I can totally get behind that. It's it's more of a stylistic choice for this sure. particular channel, of course. Absolutely. Like, and especially with podcasting, um, there's a conversation going on, and right. just this interaction between people. It it doesn't need to be so relevant at every moment. Obviously, there can be this natural. Uh, flow to the conversation um so i totally respect that as well and i i have plans for for other endeavors later um particularly twitch i'm i'm excited to eventually be doing twitch but i have i have some plans set aside because i know it takes full effort and and attention so i'm going to be working on building audience first but what's amazing about twitch is that's all it's about really is a a lot of twitch streamers they're using their personality and that's all it is pretty much but most of the time on Twitch, it's, it's this nice mix between the chat interacting amongst themselves or reacting to funny moments or crazy things that are going on or just the personality of the person talking, the, the banter. It all just flows really well together. Yeah, I've had the privilege of I've uh, had a few guest spots on some Twitch streams and, um, you know, playing playing games doing D D, doing just awesome doing just chat stuff and it's it's so fun i love that whole aspect and and it's not it's not me it's not really mm-hmm. me i'm not somebody who although i'm a comedian although i can talk for days and days on end it's <laughs> not some brand that i'm i'm really built for but mm-hmm. i really appreciate the people who can sit somewhere for three hours and just keep it going and it be interesting just enough to keep people like interested in the thing and not have to be just like what you said you know it doesn't have to be um the most important or interesting thing in the moment you can just sit there for three hours and zone out and enjoy the game and enjoy the banter and enjoy the crazy things that are happening um Yes, fantastic. Yeah, that's a perfect point. And I think you're right. Like that is, it is 100% stylistic. There's no, um, I don't think there's any, there's any like one that's better than the other. It just happens to be something that either you enjoy watching mm-hmm. or that you really want to, or the stylistic choices that you want to make. Right. I, I think one of the most important things for creating online is I see this, I see this with a few of my clients. Um, sometimes they feel like they have to create not to create because they're passionate or not to create for the audience, but whatever weird marketing <laughs> thing that's in their brain that they just feel like they have to put content out there. I, I really don't like that mentality. Right. Mm. So, so sometimes I see that where um, people feel like they just have to make something. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if, if they care about it or put time into it. Um, and I really, that's what I feel like has no place. Um, so with my stylistic choice of, for my videos, you know, I, I hang on every, I try to hang on the importance of every word and, and, and make sure there's, there's plenty of other things that work as well. I think the top tier reason that someone does well is if everything they make has a purpose, mm. right? If, if a lot of times you're just making to just make and just to, Oh, I just want to grow and doesn't matter. You, you just don't care about you know, actually the creative process, right? Then people are probably going to notice that um, disconnect. I think the most important thing for a creator is to make sure that what they're doing has a purpose and it has a reason to exist. 
Absolutely. Otherwise, it feels heartless, and it feels like uh-huh. you've removed your authenticity from it. Um, well, thank you so much. A fantastic conversation, a fantastic amount of really interesting, fabulous things that you had to say. Uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you, I ask all of my guests, all of my collaborators, all the people I have on the show, uh-huh. um, if you could say in one to three words what Americana means to you. They can be, oh. they can form a sentence, they can be an abstract thought, they can just be a list. Really anything, what are the one to three words that you would associate in the meaning of Americana? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you the first thing that came to mind. Sure. Probably, this is the old school version of, of Americana, perhaps. Maybe the 1950s version, but the first thing that came to mind is white picket fence. I like it. I like that a lot. White picket fence. I enjoy yeah. that. I enjoy that quite a bit. <laughs> um, my favorite one that I've gotten so far was somebody said... Uh, chainsaws and rock and roll uh, was, <laughs> was the other one that I really enjoyed. So, um, well, thank That's you so much one. for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, any handles? Anything other than your YouTube channel, Creatify? Please go look them up. Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter too. Uh, Twitter is just a place for me to connect with creators. I try to um, try to follow people who are involved with my work and also work I care about. So, I'm, I am on Twitter, but mostly it's my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, Creatify on YouTube. If, if anything I said during this conversation interested any of the listeners, uh, go ahead and, and uh, search me up on YouTube. Please do. His videos are fantastic. The, uh, the content that he creates is incredible. Thank um, you, Jacob. Of course. I, I'm, a biggest, I'm one of the biggest fans of uh, <laughs> Tyler, and I will sing his praises until the end of my days. And any chance that I can get to talk to him, I relish because he is a very busy man with a very busy <laughs> schedule. Um, and I really enjoy having the intellectual conversations that we have. So I appreciate so much for being on the show. Of course, um, always a pleasure. And if you ever want to come back, please let me know if you want to come host a segment. Really, if you ever want to be a part of anything on here, you are more than welcome. The door is always open for you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I'm excited to be hearing more. And I definitely, if you ever have plans um, it, with uh, with any sort of segment where you'd like me involved, hey, let me know. Fantastic. Well, we'll talk. Thank you so much again. And um, Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. (laughs) This episode of Slice of Americana was recorded, produced, presented, and reported on, per the usual, by myself, Jacob Alloy. My thanks to Tyler Fleischman for being on the program and for giving his amazing insights into American media trends. If you liked what he had to say today, please go subscribe to him on YouTube at Creatify. If you'd like to see his other handles, you can go to our Instagram, at Slice of Americana, no dashes, no underscores, no spaces, no nothing. Please, please, please leave us a review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on currently. We also have a YouTube channel up and running now, so go check us out there and subscribe over there as well. We thank you for your continued support, and until I see you again, happy trails.